Good morning, good morning to you, you. Good morning, good morning to you and many more. Good morning, good morning, good morning and welcome, welcome, welcome. I am Shantae Charles, and I want to thank you for tuning in today. Thank you for tuning in to Daring Dialogues, and this is Relationship Wednesday. Can you believe we've already rolled back around to Wednesday so quickly? I feel like time is flying by. Like just yesterday, we were reading about relationships, and here we are again, right? So today is Relationship Wednesday, and we are talking about boundaries and being drama-free, um, a guide to man- maintaining and managing uh, our healthy relationships, but also a guide to managing unhealthy family relationships, and setting boundaries and finding peace, a guide to reclaiming yourself. Um, I was sitting up here today, and I was thinking about... Um, my health and wellness segments that I probably need to get back to sooner rather than later. And I was thinking about the process that I'm going through that I know a lot of women in their 40s are starting to go through. And that is the process of perimenopause. And I'm thinking about how I'm very thankful, first of all, that more information um, has come out about perimenopause. People are being much more forthcoming. Um, but I'm also thinking about the fact that I want to talk about it in more detail than I, that I want, than I, than is happening. I'll say it that way, but I'm like, people don't really want to hear about what's happening and what's going on in women's bodies in their forties. We need our own support group. And of course there are support groups out there. Right. Um, but as I was in the, in the mirror and preparing this morning, I started looking at the signs of perimenopause, um, you know, thinning hair is one of them. So I've got to, I got to figure out what to do about my hair because yeah, that's a sign of perimenopause and I'm not alone, <laughs> but I think back to, uh, my childhood and, in in some of the women that I knew growing up. And I thought about the fact that many of them, when they hit about, you know, 40, 45, they weren't doing a lot of talking. And now I understand why, because they were just kind of dealing with the changes of womanhood. And they probably didn't really feel like having a conversation about the things that were going on in their bodies. And most people were not talking about it then because, yeah. But anyway, there's a really great article on menopause and perimenopause out. Um, I think it's Gabrielle Union who is being interviewed because she said she's been going through the perimenopause for 17 years. I was like, (laughs) ma'am, Lord, don't let it be that long. Don't let it be that long. Um, But she gave some, some some kind of like good tips in there. And I didn't necessarily care for the title of the article because it's raunchy. 
but I did read the article and there was some really good information in there. So just had to drop that. If you are going through perimenopause or menopause, if you're a woman in your 40s and up, check out that article. There are, like I said, some more books out here than there were in the past to sort of help women understand what their symptoms are, uh, the kind of changes that may be going on in your body, sort of kind of what to expect, some general things, but every woman does deal with menopause and perimenopause differently, but there are some common things um, across the board, yes. Uh, hyperthyroidism, yes, is a possible, you can go, be going through it at the same time. Yes, yes, it's premenopausal. And so one of them that I'm dealing with right now is my, because of, um, I also, because of iron issues, my hair is really thinning now and breaking off. Like, I don't mean like, oh, little piece here, little piece. No, like inches of my hair is breaking off at one time. So I am not, um, I'm not thinking about getting extensions or anything like that, but I am thinking about getting a haircut, like a big chop. Um, I don't know if that will help it though, but I'm thinking about it. Um, I probably will be wearing my hair a little bit more natural. And when I say natural, just without heat so that um, I'm not weakening my hair further. But yeah, um, weight gain, weight gain around your middle, okay? People start asking you things like, are you pregnant? No, I'm not pregnant. Don't ask me that. Matter of fact, don't go around asking women that to begin with. <laughs> but um, you can, you know, and of course there are exercise programs for women in their 40s to kind of tackle these issues specifically. So I am um, working with someone now that's kind of helping me to tackle these things. But it's like, it's not a it's not about an eating issue it's a hormonal balance issue there's other things going on and so just i want to just say just use common sense with human beings but everybody doesn't have common sense um i didn't lose my hair but i got my hair cut weight gain is a definite i'm post and i'm 66 see what i'm saying listen but as women are going through this in their 40s People are not talking about this and women are going through some real changes in their bodies in their 40s and because there's not a lot of people voicing what those changes are, it kind of makes women feel isolated like they're alone in this, but they're actually not like this is a thing. <laughs> so there are some Facebook support groups. Um, I haven't joined any yet, but I have gotten some books and I'm kind of reading through like what the changes are, things that you're noting in your body, kind of what to expect, um, your your cycle being very, very irregular, um, those kinds of things. So yeah, a lot of people are not talking about that. But Gabrielle Union, she goes in <laughs> in this article and I was like, oh, okay. Oh, that's a sign too. Hmm, interesting. So yeah. So I know everybody's not a 40 something year old woman. So I have to figure out a way to talk about it without just 
spending all my time talking about that. But I do think it needs to be more talked about. Oprah has started um, talking about it. She has some information, but guess what? <laughs> I was like, oh, that's good. Oprah is, wants people to be informed and all of that. And I go to her website to get informed and all of that information is behind the paywall. So again, why am I having to pay you for this information that's supposed to be a help for all women going through this? But that's a whole other. I get it. I get it. People got to pay for stuff, but we don't necessarily have to monetize everything. Some things just be mindful, be mindful, be mindful, be mindful, be mindful. That's all I'm going to say. Get your money, yes, but also be mindful. There are some things you can offer for free. And then there are some things that, yes, should be behind a paywall. But if you're concerned about how many women don't know these things, and then I go to your site and it's a paywall, I'm going to ask the question, are you really concerned about how many women don't know these things? And that's my soapbox on that. I'm still dealing with hot flashes. Oh, yes. Oh, the good hot flashes that I'm now starting to deal with. And I'm 45. I'm going to be 46 in a couple more days, November 27th. Um, but yeah. So if you are running into slightly, slightly moody people, moody women in their 40s, some of that mood has to do with the changes that they're going through in their bodies. And more than likely, because probably they don't have an outlet to communicate about the changes that they're going through in their bodies. I don't think that their people are deliberately just being mean or being rude or whatever. But I think a lot of it is internalizing the changes that are going on in their bodies and them not having an outlet of communication. So rather than do that, I'm going to encourage women, if you are going through what they call the changes, if you are going through the changes, get educated on it. Um, look at the ways in which you can help yourself. Look at the supplements and things that you can take. Find yourself a support group. Um, find yourself a program that can help you with your body changes um, and things of that nature. So that's my spiel on that. All right, I'm running out of time here because I do have to end a little bit early. So let me jump into the reading. Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself by Nedra Glover Tawab. Chapter two, the cost of not having healthy boundaries. Choosing discomfort over resentment, Brene Brown. And good morning to those of you who are coming in. We just had a quick talk on perimenopause and menopause. But well, let's dive into the meat of what I want to share today. The cost of not having healthy boundaries. Erica thought she had to be a hard worker, a great friend, and an all-around rock star mom, all while looking like she slept eight hours a night. She worked 40 hours a week as an accountant and was the single mother of two girls, ages seven and nine. 
When she wasn't at work, Erica was driving the girls around to activities. Her oldest played soccer, the youngest took dance classes, and both were active in the Girl Scouts while also seeing tutors. Her daughter's father provided only financial support and didn't help much with the kids. But Erica was still determined to give her girls the best life possible. She based her perspective about motherhood on the fact that other mothers around her seemed to be doing it all without any help. So after college, she didn't think anything of moving 800 miles away from her family. This year, though, during her busy tax season, she started to unravel. The long days, nights, and expectations were becoming too much. Washing and putting the dishes away every night turned into dishes piled up in the sink. Her regular routine of washing a load of laundry per day turned into two weeks' worth of dirty laundry. She started zoning out while scrolling through social media on her phone, which made her late everywhere. The kids ate quick meals or frozen foods as Erica paid no attention anymore to providing a balanced diet. Erica was unintentionally on strike. At some point, she mentally said, screw it. How am I supposed to be a fantastic employee and mom at the same time? She couldn't do it all, so she did as little as possible at home and spent almost no time with friends. When the girls tried to talk to her about the changes at home, she denied there was a problem. Then for a few days, she'd get back into her old high-functioning rhythm of cleaning, cooking, and taking the kids to activities. But she couldn't stick with it and would inevitably fall back into letting things go. Erica started therapy at the urging of her friends who saw her becoming burned out. Good friends, and at least she listened. While she was aware that she spent hours on social media and had become more withdrawn, she questioned whether she was actually experiencing burnout. After all, everything was fine at work, but she noted that work offered her support and praise while the expectations were reasonable. At home, she said her job was thankless, never-ending, and mundane. She had no tools to advocate for herself at home like she did at work. There was no support system where she could vent her frustrations. She felt like she could never meet the expectations of being a good mother that she previously tried to achieve. Erica had created realistic expectations for her role as a mother. I'm sorry, Erica had to create realistic expectations for her role as a mother, which meant setting healthy boundaries. When I began seeing Erica, she spoke about her fantasies of running away and leaving everything. It wasn't that she didn't love her children. Obviously, she did. It was just all so exhausting. She was frustrated with not being able to depend on their father. She resented having to ask him to pick up the girls from school or practices. Erica craved a well-balanced life for her daughters, but she was frustrated to be the only person responsible for making it work. In my office, Erica told me she'd never heard her friends talk about motherhood in such a negative way. It made her feel ungrateful, and she'd always wanted to be a mom, so why wasn't she enjoying it? The older the girls get, the more I pull away, she said. At some point, I realized that motherhood would be endless. Giving Erica the space to talk openly allowed her to be honest about the feeling she'd been avoiding. During one session, she had an aha moment when she realized her anger toward her ex-husband was being redirected toward her children. That emotional breakthrough led her to take small steps to be more focused at home. Instead of complaining about not having help, she hired a housekeeper to come in a few times a month. 
She asked her friends if they would be willing to watch the girls for a few hours while she spent time alone. She started giving the girls chores so that everything wouldn't be on her. Erica started managing burnout by letting go of the need to be a rock star and instead asking for help when she needed it. Honey, baby. <laughs> Listen, I believe in a good cleaning service. I need to, I need to get one pronto in, in just a moment myself. I believe in the cleaning service. I'm about to believe in a higher shelf. That's going to be my next step. Because I like to cook. I do. But the way my husband likes to eat. <laughs> my husband likes to eat. He likes to work out. But he is really, really enjoying my cooking these days. Which is making me have to get in the kitchen a little bit more than I intended to get in there. <laughs> so we're looking at some we're looking at some options of maybe um, I found someone that's local that can come in and do dinner. You know, maybe not every week yet. But every now and then, when I don't feel like getting into the kitchen. Um, and so we have to, and I, I like the way that she kind of walked us through the journey of this woman, recognizing that she was getting mad, right? She was getting mad at not managing her own schedule. She was getting mad at expecting people, good morning, she was getting mad at expecting people to read her mind that she was getting burned out. Because she's telling her therapist this, but she's not necessarily telling her family what is, what is bothering her. So in therapy, she's able to figure out what her root causes are, right? And then work on those root causes and come to a resolve. That some delegation needs to happen. Raise your hand if you have found out or discovered the beauty of delegation. Just raise your hand. Hand raised or hearts on the screen. Delegation is a beautiful thing. When you can find responsible people to delegate to. Because there was there were seasons in my life where... I could not trust anyone in order to delegate things that I needed to delegate. Therefore, I had to do it. I understand that. I get it. Some people are like, I would love to delegate stuff, but the people I'm around are untrustworthy or the people that I'm around are inconsistent or the people that I'm around um, won't do things up to the level and skill that it needs to be up to in order for me to be able to feel comfortable delegating to them. So I get that. But if you can, whatever you can delegate, try to do that. I have some friends now in business where they delegate things like emails, um, just some the minor things they are willing to delegate it to an outside company or a virtual assistant. 
some of their virtual assistants are overseas. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, because I deal with virtual assistants from other people that are overseas and they can barely understand what I'm saying. And so that is frustrating. And I was like, if you have somebody that's a virtual assistant that speaks English well and that can communicate with people properly, that might work. But if you get a virtual assistant that can barely speak English, you're going to frustrate your customer base because they're going to be trying to get stuff resolved. And that person is not going to be most effective in helping them. So on that, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a 50, 50, you know, depending on what company you go with, but delegation is definitely something you want to look into. If you need to start forming your boundaries, who can I delegate things to? Um, looking around you and thinking about the people that you can trust to delegate things to. And usually delegation is connected to trust. So who can I trust to delegate these things to? And usually trust is connected to transparency. Who can I be transparent enough with to trust that I can delegate things to? Like she's talking about here, she had to ask her friends if they would be willing to watch her children for a few hours while she spent time alone. You got to have trust to leave your children with people these days because of all the stuff that's going on and going down. So I think that's a good point to be made. Um, the power of delegation and starting there. I'm going to switch over to the next book. This one was, again, if you're just coming in or wondering what book I'm reading, this is Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself. And we just started chapter two. Moving over to her second book. Because this is the holidays, I think this is a good read. Um, I don't know if people will be done reading it in time for the holidays, but you could start. You could start today if you have a Kindle or you have Audible and you want to hear the audio version of this book. I do believe she has it on Audible. Drama Free, A Guide to Managing Unhealthy Family Relationships. And we're looking at chapter two in this one. Boundary Violations, Codependency, and Enmeshment. Boundary Violations, Codependency, and Enmeshment. She's going to give us another scenario reading. And um, we'll come to a good stopping place because I do want to leave some time for us to chop it up. The Twins. That's how everyone still saw them even though they were 32 years old. People still thought of them as the same person. Even they had a hard time distinguishing their thoughts from each other's. The younger of the two, Brianna, was getting married. Her fiancé, Thomas, complained that he felt like he was second in line to Chelsea, her twin sister. Whenever there was a decision to be made, Brianna talked to Chelsea first. Thomas was concerned what their marriage would be like if Brianna couldn't decide anything without first seeking guidance from her sister. Although she was only five minutes older, Chelsea was the boss. Her number one priority was taking care of her little sister. Sometimes Brianna complained that Chelsea was over-involved, but she always saw Chelsea's way eventually. 
Chelsea liked her soon-to-be brother-in-law, but she noticed that since Brianna and Thomas had become engaged, Brianna was more distant. Their twice-daily calls, multiple texts throughout the day, and Thursday night sister dates had changed to talking once a day, or sometimes every other day, sporadic texting and watching our shows together with Thomas on Thursdays instead of sister dates. Chelsea could feel the changes happening. Meanwhile, Brianna seemed happier than ever. Chelsea came to therapy after she confronted her sister about the distance. It was the first time in their relationship that Brianna's mind didn't change to do as the boss said. Chelsea accused Thomas of being controlling and trying to damage their relationship. In our work together, Chelsea explored boundaries, particularly how they are essential for people to establish healthy roles in their relationships. Now, type into the chat one way that Chelsea is already violating the boundaries of her sister's relationship with her husband. I just want to see what y'all got to say. What way is Chelsea violating the boundaries of her sister's relationship? Anybody? Anybody? And can she do this? Can she violate a boundary without her sister's permission? I'm giving some space for answers. Anybody? Anybody? I'll point out one. And that is making her sister's voice the priority in her decision making. Trying to impose her will. Mm-hmm. She thinks things should remain the same. Listen, I stand by this word right here. If there are there are several occasions where people come out of character and they may only do it for those that day or so. But there are several occasions that make people come out of character and they act. Woo! I don't want to say crazy, but that's usually the word. <laughs> <laughs> funerals people come out of character in funerals people be saying and doing stuff that they never said and did their entire life at funerals so I'm not too keen on attending funerals in the near future unfortunately I've had several people that have passed away but funerals and weddings <laughs> funerals Weddings, I'm probably not going to have to add baby showers to that. Those are some occasions where people act a fool or act out of character. And you'd be like, what just happened? What is going on? Like, what? And it's so sad sometimes because it's like, because these are such once in a moment kind of events, right? Right? unless you're having 10 children, okay? Um, 
because they're such once in a moment, once in a lifetime, you can't get those back kind of events unless you're planning on being married four or five times, right? These are supposed to be very pivotal events. And usually when people act out of character in those events, they get immortalized as that thing in that event because the event was so memorable. So if you choose to act the fool doing a funeral, <laughs> right? People are going to notice you. You're going to be stuck in people's mind for a very long time as the person who did X, Y, Z. Okay. The person who flipped out on the bride or the person who flipped out on the bridegroom or the person who, you know, ran up to the casket and was trying to shake the body out and demand that they come back. Like you get immortalized in those moments for whatever craziness that went down. The, the limelight morphs them shaking. Yeah. Yeah. Akafu. Yep. Yep. And so Chelsea seems to be at this moment, she seems to be one of those sisters that could possibly do something very um, out of character at her sister's ceremony if she don't get this in check. I've seen people um, at the last minute not show up for a wedding. I've seen people fall out and decide they're not going to be the bridesmaid or they're not going to be the maid of honor, like just weird stuff. And so people have gone through all this planning. You've got your dress, you know, you've, you know, maybe had to travel and stuff and do it because of the destination wedding. And then all of a sudden you just say bump it. And you solidify yourself as something maybe that you were not in normal, regular circumstances in that moment. You solidify yourself as that because of the event. I hope that nobody um, experiences that because it's really, it's a really painful thing, especially if you are on the receiving end of the craziness from the person like, We'll get past this moment, but I will never forget <laughs> what you did at the funeral. I will never forget what you did on my special day. And I don't think people, I don't think that registers with people. Let me read this last section and then I'm going to open it up here. Boundaries, my favorite B word. <laughs> Nedra has a sense of humor here. Boundaries are expectations and needs that help us feel comfortable and safe in our relationships. Verbally and through your behaviors, you set boundaries with others. In dysfunctional families, the main way boundary issues appear is through codependency and enmeshment. In some instances, you might feel more comfortable creating behavioral boundaries, and at other times, you might verbalize your boundaries. Brianna created the following behavioral boundaries. She started speaking to her sister less often. She started texting less frequently. She started cutting back on her in-person gatherings. And she started to not be readily available for her sister's needs. Now, that might have been a lot at one time for the sister, right? 
but that doesn't mean that those boundaries didn't need to happen or that they didn't need to be set. Maybe she could have gradually led into them instead of just doing uh, maybe all four of them at the same time, but those boundaries still needed to be made. For Brianna, it seemed most manageable or less aggressive to create behavioral boundaries. If she had implemented verbal boundaries, it might have sounded like this. Thomas and I are building a life together and determining what that looks like for us. You may notice that I'm less available or I'm transitioning into a commitment and I'll focus my attention on building a solid relationship with Thomas. For us, that might look like less chatting throughout the day. Or, I want more autonomy as an adult. Therefore, you'll see me engaging more in independent decision making. Chelsea could find any of these statements offensive simply because they threaten what she wants for her relationship with her twin. Alternatively, Chelsea could respect her sister's need for autonomy and desire to work on her relationship with Thomas, and she could develop new ways to support her sister. Now, I heard somebody recently talking about this dynamic, not just with sisters, but between friends, right? And with people who transition from, from being single to being married. Um, I think there's a lot to be said for allowing people to create new boundaries and to create bonds with their new spouse. I do, I don't believe that you should discard people because they are single. I think that is problematic. Um, and so I have seen lots of single people kind of take offense to that and, and feel like, are you saying that because I'm single, I'm less of a friend or less capable of being a friend? <clears throat> and so I do think that needs to be looked at. Um, I remember being single. <laughs> That's funny. I remember being single. And I remember wanting married friends. And I remember um, not having access to married people. I remember that. And I remember desperately thinking to myself, how am I supposed to be looking for healthy signs of a healthy relationship if I'm not allowed to access any friendships that show signs of healthy relationships? I'm just saying. We're telling people that they need to look for signs of healthy relationships, but then when they want to befriend you, not so they can be scrutinizing your entire life, but they just want to be around healthy relationships, they don't get access to that. And so I made up my mind that, you know, I would not do that to other people, you know, that if people wanted to connect with me and my husband, you know, they want to befriend us. They want to come over. They want to do potluck, et cetera, et cetera. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. But before then, right, when we had access and we had the time and we had the space and there wasn't a whole world disease going around killing people, um, we opened up to allow people to see our relationship. Were we perfect? Absolutely not, right? But I never wanted to be that person that said, oh, I can't have any 
single friends like they had a disease or something. I think that's weird. I do. Maybe it's just me. But I think it's weird. Um, so, yeah. I think it's good that the sister is setting boundaries. I think that um, the sister needs to communicate, right? She needs to verbally communicate some things. But as the counselor said, maybe if she had started off with verbal communication, it would have shut the sister down completely. But some people appreciate the verbal communication. Hey, we were like this. I'm entering into a relationship. I've got to give more time to that. I've got to give more attention to that. I do encourage people who are newly married to at least spend your first year really trying to solidify your bond with your spouse. And people who cannot respect that process, you need to evaluate those friendships and relationships. Because really, people should want you to spend time with your spouse. So you all can get to know each other the more. And if someone is always pulling your time away from your spouse. And you are a newlywed. This is going to be a problem. Okay, I'm done. Don't laugh at me too much. All right. I've got about. Let's see. A good 10 minutes, 10 to 12 minutes. So let's chop it up. If you're listening by Spotify, um, Anchor, Google Play, thank you for your time and attention today. Thank you for allowing us to spend some time talking about perimenopause at the beginning of this broadcast. Remember, light is the most daring opposition to darkness. So continue to go out and be light.